Hello, fabulous humans, and welcome to another rendition of the mm, About That podcast with me, your host, your favorite geek psychologist, your favorite pop culture enthusiast, your favorite queen of the nerds, Dr. Vanessa Hintz. And I am ecstatic, elated, overjoyed, positively tickled for today's episode because I get to bring to you all content focused on one of my most favorite things in the history of forever, the television show Supernatural. So welcome to more Supernatural-centric content that I'm actually going to refer to as a Supernatural Spotlight. You see what I did there with that alliteration? The Supernatural Spotlight. And the way that this is sort of, the way that this came to me is that, okay, so I have watched the series Supernatural through one time, and I'm now going back and doing my first rewatch. And I thought that I would take a pause for the cause in between each season and just really reflect on what it is that I saw, particularly given that I know what's coming (laughs) through the series. Um, but I, I absolutely wanted to really like, now that I know what's happening now that I have been through this journey once before and going back through it again, I want to really be mindful of some messages that I receive, some lessons that are learned, um, particularly given my expertise in psychology in equity and inclusion, all of those different things. I definitely am now that again, I'm sort of more familiar with the story, the characters, all those different things. Using that lens as I rewatch it, also it's just very comforting for me to watch the show again. Um, Also, this goes without saying, but spoiler alert, um, if you have not watched Supernatural season one or Supernatural ever, I'm gonna say stuff that may be spoiling to you. So just, you know, first of all, do yourself a favor and watch it. I just want everybody coming into this with all of the information, with all the facts, so you know spoilers abound um but again i just finished my rewatch of season one and i think that i have mentioned this uh before but i actually am a newbie to supernatural i didn't watch any of supernatural until last summer the summer of 2022 when i started watching finished the series in about six months Um, right before I went to my first Supernatural fan convention, which was awesome. Please listen to episode two if you're curious about that experience. Um, So again, now I'm in my sort of first rewatch and I have rarely in my life rewatched series. I kind of feel like I know what's going to happen. Why would I do that again? Um, Exceptions being Game of Thrones, which I have rewatched several times, except I don't rewatch season eight past episode three because you know that's how I feel about that I've definitely watched Law and Order SVU a gajillion times even though I'm not caught up on the most current episodes um the boys I have watched the x-files that might be about it stranger things maybe maybe not I don't know but I don't typically rewatch things I will rewatch movies a gajillion times uh but shows I don't know there's just something I don't I feel like there's always something new to watch so it is somewhat rare for me to rewatch a show, um, but Supernatural has absolutely become a comfort to me. Um, and I'm going to talk to you all about season one, and it obviously pulled me in 
initially when I watched it. And so just to give you all some context, so Supernatural premiered on September 13th, 2005. You heard that. September 13th, 2005. And so I think we we just need to go into this conversation with that context, right? Like the early 2000s was a very different time. It it was a wild time. Um, even watching the show sort of like aesthetically, you, you're sort of transported back, for those of us who were there, transported back to the early 2000s. I mean, people have flip phones, which I actually miss because you cannot aggressively hang up on someone with a smartphone. You just can't. Um, but I mean, flip phones, paper maps, people up here printing out MapQuest directions. Like it was wild. Watching them use the internet in the early 2000s, wild. Um, and I will talk about this, I'm sure, again and again. But I forgot what fashion was like in the early 2000s. I don't know how I forgot this, but why was everything so big? Why was every, Why were everyone's clothes so big? And then like for women then there were like small like half jackets that really just don't keep you like warm but they were fashionable like so they were like big clothes but then there were like two little clothes and wearing long sleeve shirts under short sleeve shirts under long like it was just too much and so i think that for me there is also some nostalgia for lack of a better word in watching these early seasons of supernatural because 2005 that was a time. That, that was a time. The early 2000s, that was a time. Um, and so just an overview. Season one of Supernatural. Um, there are, we're obviously introduced to the brothers Winchester, Sam and Dean, for the very first time. Um, and their dad, John Winchester, uh, played by the amazing Jeffrey Dean Morgan. And let me just say, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Jensen Ackles, Jared Padalecki, all these men's are aging in reverse, okay? Like fine wine. When I watched the first, the pilot episode of Supernatural and I saw Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I said, I know that's not Negan because he definitely looks 20 years older than Negan. And I, it took me a while to accept the fact that that was Negan. But let me just say, aging like fine wine, aging in reverse, I'm here for it, point blank, period, I approve. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, we meet the brothers Winchester, um, and the sort of overarching story of season one is that they're looking for their dad who went on a hunting trip and then was n nowhere to be found. And so Sam is actually at Stanford. He's a, you know, smarty arty about to go to law school at Stanford. Dean kind of shows up and he's like, hey, our dad is missing. I need you to come help me find him. And he's like, all right. Tragedy ensues where, you know, Sam decides, I don't want to do this with you, Dean. Like, I want to go back to law school. He goes back to school, his girlfriend is killed, and now he's like, all right, cool, so I'm gonna just hunt with you because this is a mess and I don't wanna deal with this anymore. And so over the course of season one, we sort of have a, a combination of different types of episodes, which we see throughout the series. So we have these like monster of the week episodes where we are with Sam and Dean as they're hunting some supernatural thing or another. And then we have episodes that sort of are more this in this overarching story um, of them trying to find their dad so that they can figure out what's going on. Very akin to the X-Files, um, very akin to a lot of series really, but it really, I remember when I first started watching Supernatural, I felt like this is very much like the X-Files where you saw those monster week episodes alien a week episodes whatever you want to call it and then you had this sort of 
overarching story but with the x-files i feel like i never knew what was going on i still to this day don't understand what was true and what was not i guess that was the point anyways back to supernatural so that's sort of like the overall the overview of season one um spoiler alert they find their dad and they figure out that their dad is hunting this demon that killed their mom and also killed Sam's girlfriend. So then they all join together to find this demon. They do find it, but unfortunately they do not kill it. And so we're actually left with a cliffhanger at the end of season one where they get hit. They get into a car accident and they're they're hit by this truck and they're kind of just laying there. We don't know what's gonna happen. We do know what's gonna happen because we know that there are 15 seasons, but at the moment, you know, in the moment, we, we don't really know what's gonna happen with them. We don't really understand their fate. So that's season one in a nutshell. And so what I thought would be beneficial and sort of, like I said, in my rewatch is to really think about what messages I feel like, or what lessons I feel like I received from this, um, that I can then in turn share with you all again, as a psychologist, as a, you know, a mental health expert, what have you. And so before I get there though, one thing that I will say is overall, like sort of looking at the season overall, one thing that I can appreciate now on my rewatch is that so many of our favorite zingers, like our favorite lines from the entirety of the series come from season one. Driver picks the music, shotgun shuts his cake hole. Season one, I think it was like in the first episode, dude, you fugly. What kind of house doesn't have salt? Low sodium freaks? Like all of these things that again are sort of like iconic in the supernatural fandom, I did not realize how many of them came from this initial season. The other thing that I will say about the first season is I remember when I watched it the first time, I remember texting my older sister. I was like, yo, this is like lightweight scary. And I love horror movies. Like I love scary movies. It's my thing. I was like, some of this is like actually quite scary for this to be like a TV show. Um, not like American Horror Story level. No, maybe maybe some of it was because American Horror, that's a different conversation. But I was I, it was kind of scary, right? And I would I will also say that I appreciated all of the urban legends that they incorporated because for me as a horror fan, that's sort of how I got into horror. Um, I remember reading. I know you all remember scary stories to tell in the dark in elementary school. Like, why was I reading that in elementary school? But I remember all three of those books were in our elementary school library. And so those types of stories, urban legends, things like that, things that seem to take on a life, a li- lives of their own, I can appreciate that. And I loved, 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 loved how Supernatural incorporated these, like, I think there was a Bloody Mary episode, there was a Hookman episode, like all of these different things that we are familiar with. And I remember watching, I think it was episode two or episode three, when they were, I think it was episode two, when they were hunting the Wendigo, I remember knowing what that was because of the X-Files. Like I remember watching it and I was like, oh, they're hunting a Wendigo. And like before they even said it, and I'm like, okay, nerd alert, first of all. Uh, but second of all, I think again, that sort of familiarity that that urban legends bring and that that type, of, like I think it was just super dope. And I actually feel like as the series goes on, they get like further away from that because again, there's sort of more lore. There's more sort of like, like series storyline that they're they're working through and so I really feel like this first season we got a lot of that again urban legend sort of like I don't want to call it classic horror but I will 
and I love everything about it. And so overall, those, those are sort of my season notes. We get a, so many of the zingers that we love. And there was really like this classical horror, like around the campfire, scary story type of element. And I love that. Slashers are my favorite type of horror film. And this gave me a lot of those vibes and, and I'm here for it. Now to transition to what I feel like were, what I'll call some mental health messages um, from season one, things that, again, from my lens, my worldview, um, I feel like were evident in, in what we saw in season one. And the first thing I wanna talk about is the way that they dealt with trauma. So the first episode of the series, the pilot episode, we see Mary Winchester um, basically burned and, and killed and her family witnesses this. So we have Jeffrey Dean, we have a, a little small Dean, I think he was like five or six. And then we have Sam, he's like a baby, so you know, negligible, he's not gonna re remember this, but we have this family that experiences this trauma, this tragedy. And then we have a whole fast forward in the pilot episode where we don't know nothing about nothing that happened after that. And then over the course of the series, we get to really see how each of those men dealt with that trauma. And so for me, it was it was so interesting because you see Jeffrey Dean also, let me just let me just caveat this. I have not yet watched the Winchesters, so I don't know how they deal with any of this that I'm about to say in the Winchesters. So don't come for me, people. I haven't watched it yet. Maybe my appraisal would change, will change after I watch it. So this is me without knowledge of anything that's in the Winchesters. Okay, so over the course of season one, we see sort of again, John Winchester has just like his whole life's purpose is to find this thing that killed his wife. And I think it's near the end of the, the first season where he has this very emotional moment and he talks about how he felt like he couldn't rest until that demon was dead because he didn't feel like Sam or Dean or him would ever be safe again unless he killed this demon. So that literally became his life's focus at the expense of other things like parenting, which we'll talk about in a few moments. So that's sort of how John Winchester dealt with that. And Dean sort of, we, we almost see him like, I don't want to, I don't really like this phrasing, um, overly identifying with his dad. Like he basically wants, you know, he idolizes him. He wants to be just like him. He sort of listens to everything that he says. His life is about living up to his dad's expectations. And so he kind of gets really close to his dad. Whereas we see Sam sort of doing the opposite. And I think it, it goes without saying, Sam was the youngest one when you know his mom was was killed and so he doesn't really have a recollection of her as a person and he says that in, in one of the scenes in the first season where he's talking to dean he's like i don't i don't i see pictures of her but i don't have any memory of her and so the way that he sort of responds to her death is very different than his dad or his brother because again it, she was like not i mean she was a person to him and i guess he feels like he loves her out of principle, but he didn't know her. And so we see Sam going like the whole opposite direction of his dad and his brother. Like, nah, I'm gonna go to college. I'm gonna live this life over here. I wanna be normal. I don't wanna be doing all this hunting all the time. And again, that is a sticking point throughout the entirety of, of the first season and the series as well. And so 
the way that they deal with that each of them sort of over time really copes with this trauma, I think is very, very interesting. And again, I think we see that initially from the very beginning of the series in season one. And I mentioned John's parenting styles. And so I want to pause and just take a moment to put on my professor, Dr. Vanessa Hat, and just slide some knowledge um, to anybody who is unaware. Um, But typically when we talk about parenting styles, there are First of all, there is no right or wrong way to parent. You parent the way that works best for you and your family and your kids and their individual ways of being. So let me just say that initially. I'm not here to tell anybody how to do anything, how to parent your kids, what have you. What I will say is that oftentimes we categorize parenting styles four different ways. There can be more, but I'm going to use these, these primary four. We have permissive parenting, neglectful parenting, authoritative parenting and authoritarian parenting. And we can think of those each on a spectrum of sort of warmth and setting boundaries or setting limits. And so permissive parents tend to be very warm, very loving, but don't set a lot of boundaries. So they just let their kids like live their best lives, do what you want, you know, you're a free spirit, we don't really have any rules, cool. Very warm, very loving. Neglectful parents are low on both of those categories. So not very loving, not very warm. Don't really set limits or boundaries. Typically seem like they don't really care about what their kids are doing. And this is a conversation for a different day, but having a neglectful parent early on in your life, that can cause a whole host of issues as people sort of mature and start to develop their own relationships. Um, Authoritative parents are high on the warmth category and tend to be high on the boundary category as well. Some people will say that this is the quote unquote ideal way to parent. Again, I will not say that. I will say that in research that this tends to be the gold star way of parenting um, because again, you're providing your kids what they need emotionally. You're also setting appropriate limits for them so that you know they're not out here being like entitled and all these different things. So that's authoritative parenting. And then lastly, we have authoritarian. And this is where I think we see John Winchester after sort of his wife's death, the way that he parents his kids um, would be again in what I would consider an authoritarian style, which is very low on the love and warmth scale and very high on the limits and boundaries scale. So almost like drill sergeant like. And I think we see that even, um, you know, when Sam and Dean, talk to him is yes or no story, which again is not good, bad or whatever, but it is very much like, it's very clear what our boundaries are. It's very clear sort of what the, what the scale is, what the hierarchy is within our family. And we also see throughout this first season, um, and sort of get hints to, you know, why Sam and his dad fell out, which was essentially essentially because Sam was like not trying to be about that life. Like Sam reminded me very much of myself. You always want to know why you're doing what you're doing. Like why are we doing this? What what is happening? What why are we doing this? I'm not gonna just do something because you said so. Whereas Dean is quote unquote the good little soldier. I would argue that John's authoritarian parenting style is absolutely correlated with the experience of of losing his wife and the way that he lost his wife. So I would argue, and this is me just speculating, 
I would argue that John wasn't that type of parent before Mary died. Mary died the way that she died. John started to develop these feelings of, I have to protect my family at all costs. We're not going to be safe until this demon is killed. He governs in this sort of authoritarian way so that he can keep his kids safe. And so even though this may not be quote unquote, an ideal way to parent from his perspective, it absolutely is because that is what's going to keep his kids safe. And so again, one message that I feel like that I took from season one, how each of these primary characters responded to the loss of Mary Winchester and what impact that had not only on their development over time as men, but also the relationships between the two. So the second thing I want to talk about um, is something that was surprising to me, surprising in a good way. Um, And that is specifically related to episode 13 of season one titled Route 666. And so just to give an overview of the episode, Sam and Dean are called to this rural town in Ohio. And Dean is actually contacted by an old girlfriend of his named Cassie Robinson, whose father was just murdered. Um, and she believes that the murder is something supernatural related. And in the context of the episode, we learned that Dean and Cassie had somewhat of an intense relationship that ended after Dean told Cassie what it is that he does for a living and what his family business is. She assumed that he was lying or he was crazy or all of the above. And so she broke up with him and Dean with his whole emotional stuff he got going on that rejection was a lot for him okay whatever so we find out that they break up because dean was honest with her and she did not think that he was being honest and so so sad and so what is happening in this town is that there are a string of sort of unexplainable murders with all of the victims being black men And so in one of the initial scenes at a crime scene, we see Cassie sort of raising this with the sort of town officials, like all of these victims are black. Like, what are you doing about that? Like, is anybody noticing that there's a pattern? What have you? And so in the course of this investigation, we we see that there's this sort of ghost truck that is killing all of these people. And this truck is actually being haunted by a white man who lived in the town many moons ago. Now we learn more about this guy. His name is escaping me, but this guy essentially um, was killed after he attacked Cassie's father back in the day. So this guy who was haunting this truck was not down with the fact that Cassie's white mother was dating her black father And so he attacked them one day. And in the course of this fight, Cassie's father fights back and kills this man. And after he kills this man, he calls his friends, other black men. And they all decide like, you know, if you, if we tell the police, like we're going to jail, we're going to be blamed. They're not going to believe that it was self-defense because this is like 1960s rural Ohio and it's racist up in here. And so... Um, they decide to just put this man in his truck and put him in the bottom of a lake. 
And I should also add that this guy, what we learn in the context of the episode is that he had bombed a church in a black neighborhood, like before this fight ensued, um, that actually killed a lot of black people. Um, and so needless to say, this man who seems to have a lot of racist ideals is haunting this truck and going after all of the people that he feels like are responsible for his death. So in true Winchester fashion, Sam and Dean figure it out. They do what they need to do and get this guy out of here. But nonetheless, what I feel like was very powerful about this, a couple of things. And so one, just Cassie as a character, I very much appreciated and valued. Cassie is a woman who identifies as biracial and who we see in the episode has a white mother and a black father. I myself am someone who identifies as biracial with a white mother and a black father. And so that type of representation is, it was valuable to me. I think it's valuable generally when we feel like we can connect on that sort of personal level with characters that we see, you know, characters that look like us, characters that come from the same place that we do, or maybe have the life circum- same life circumstances. And so there was something in that that I really, really valued. And I think in addition to that, the fact that we see Cassie and Dean sort of in this intimate space was also extremely valuable and, and, and meant a lot to me. And I remember texting my mom and I was like, yo, like Dean had a black girlfriend and it was so important to me. And it was something that in the context of this show about these two white dudes from Kansas in their 67 Impala traversing the United States, you know, like this is not something that I thought I would see in Supernatural. And so it was surprising to me on so many levels and I think, again, not only the fact that they introduced a woman of color that was a love interest for Dean, um, they didn't fetishize her. They didn't, you know, objectify her like she was a well-rounded character. And I think in addition to that, they sort of introduced these themes of, you know, America's sort of dark history um, with racism and, you know, violence against people of color. And the fact that they introduced these themes and had these characters sort of in the midst of all of this and never questioning, you know, like, is the truck racist? Like, there was none of that. There was never a question from Sam and Dean, like, is that what's going on? Like, is it racism or is it something else? And I think that there was something about that that was so amazing There were also some things that were somewhat problematic. I think, you know, I would have liked to have seen more collaboration with Cassie to sort of bring this to a close. I think, you know, some could interpret Sam and Dean as sort of like these white saviors that come in and save the day, you know. Um, So that is somewhat problematic and also um, more more things that I think maybe could have done better, which I'll get to a little bit later, but episode 13, Route 666, so powerful, so valuable, something that I very much appreciated. The last message that I want to talk a little bit about that I feel like I 
gleaned from season one is related to the idea of stigma. And so in the mental health community, in, in many communities actually, but specifically thinking about mental health, when we talk about stigma in the very simplest terms, stigma is related to sort of like a set of negative or unfair beliefs that we ascribe to people who have some sort of mental health concern. So if somebody identifies as depressed, if somebody identifies as anxious, we automatically make up this sort of negative belief in our mind. If we hear that somebody has a personality disorder, it's like there's a stigma that is attached to that. And the episode that I'm thinking of in particular that I felt like was really indicative of this idea of stigma is actually episode 15 of season one. It was called The Benders. And Sam and Dean go to this town in rural Minnesota looking for something that has been kidnapping people, something that they believe to be supernatural. Sam gets kidnapped by this thing and it turns out that it is a family of people who sort of live out in the country that kidnap folks so that they can hunt them. And I remember there's a scene in the episode where Sam realizes and he says out loud, they're just people. And to me, this has, this is, this is interesting for two reasons. One, as a horror fan, I feel like people are usually the scariest ones out of everything, right? Like you see a vampire, like, of course I'm scared of that. Like, I'm scared of that. Like, no one's supposed to have teeth like that. No one's, you know, whatever. You see Jason Voorhees, he's like nine foot tall, like whatever. You you are scared because that's what you think. You know what I'm saying? Um, whereas people, to me, are scarier because you can be sitting next to Norman Bates or Patrick Bateman or whoever, and you have no idea what is happening like under uh, underneath all of that. And so it's interesting to me that it seems like for Sam and Dean, that is almost reversed. Like they are used to vampires and werewolves and ghosts and demons and all these things. So people coming out of pocket and being the ones that are caused, you know, up to the shenanigans and causing all of the grief is almost, it seems somewhat foreign to them. And I just thought that that was very interesting. So I feel like this is an amazing lesson in perspective taking in understanding how one's experiences, one's worldview really influences how they interpret and make meaning of the things around them. So for example, if I was driving through a rural town in Minnesota or in anywhere in the United States, I would absolutely 10,000% be afraid of the people because that has been my experience, right? Like it, it is something that I'm working on, but like I have been socialized as you know a person of color as a you know a woman that you don't stop in certain places that there aren't a lot of people around or you don't stop in certain places where you don't see anybody who looks like you and so i have been because of my experiences because of my worldview whether for good or for ill sort of socialized in this way whereas we see for sam and dean it is shocking to them that people are the one that are doing engaged in, in the shenanigans. You know what I'm saying? It is shocking to them that people are hurting other people. Um, and again, that's just so interesting to me because for them, 
the norm is that if there is pain, harm, whatever that's happening, the cause of that, the aggressor, the perpetrator is something that is supernatural. Whereas for me, that has not been my experience that I know of, knock on wood, that anything that I have experienced has been caused by something supernatural, knock on wood. Let's hope that that does not happen. Um, unless that means Sam and Dean will come to my house. So maybe let's hope that that does happen, but that's neither here nor there. So one, so for me, this is a lesson, not only again, in perspective taking and worldview, but also in, again, the beliefs that we may ascribe to someone or something because of the identity that they have, or because of some sort of characteristic about them. So again, in this case for Sam, He did not ascribe any sort of negative belief to these people until he saw what they were doing. And then he's like, oh my gosh, whatever, you know, but any monster anywhere, we ascribe this sort of like, they must be up to no good because of, you know, how they look or whatever, what have you. And so again, I think they explore that much more later on in this series in terms of, you know, especially when we start bringing in angels and demons and the beliefs that we may have about how they should behave. They don't always act in accordance with those beliefs. So more to come on that later. Um, but absolutely an amazing, an amazing message that I think was delivered very subtly. And so with that, in sort of bringing this supernatural spotlight to a close, I'm going to remix the compliment sandwich that I usually do. Forgive me, Stewie Griffin. I'm going to remix it a little bit. <clears throat> And I'm going to talk about my favorite episode, my least favorite, and then also some just sort of overall notes um, about the season. And so starting with my favorite episode, that would actually be episode six of season one titled Skin. And in this episode, we see uh, Sam and Dean go to St. Louis, I believe it was, because Sam receives word that one of his college friends was accused of murder. Um, And so they go and try to help out and try to figure out what's going on. And so in this episode, what I appreciate is that both Sam and Dean are dealing with like past versions of themselves. So very quite, quite literally, Sam is sort of confronted with, you know, who he used to be as this like college student and with all these friends and sort of like very social. And he's really confronted with how much his life has changed. Um, And I think with Dean, he's indirectly confronted with those things because Dean is, so spoiler alert, it ends up that a shapeshifter is actually the person that is doing all of the murders and they figure that out. Um, And when they confront the shapeshifter, the shapeshifter actually takes on the form of Dean. And so we see Sam sort of in a altercation with shapeshifter Dean which again, that was an amazing fight scene for it to be like season one of this show, 2005 on the CW. That was an amazing fight scene. I loved everything about it. But we see Shapeshifter Dean sort of go on this whole rant about Dean's feelings, about Dean's feelings towards Sam, about all these different things. And, you know, we're left to sort of think about how much of that is true, how much of that is just the shapeshifter trying to stir the pot and try to start all this drama and and up to no good. Nonetheless, I think in this episode, again, we're both Sam and Dean are really confronted with who they used to be, how things have changed and how they really feel about that. 
And of course, in true Winchester fashion, they don't talk about it. They just kind of move on and on to the next thing. Um, and I think it was absolutely beautiful. That was that was my favorite episode of season one. And one might say because there were two Dean Winchesters on the screen at the same time. I will not say that. I will not. I will also not say that that's not true. So favorite episode, episode six. Least favorite. I actually don't have a least favorite episode. I know a lot of people don't like the episode bugs with with all the bugs. I actually. I didn't think it was bad. Like, a lot of people, like, really hated it. I, I didn't hate it. Um, I won't say, again, I don't really think I had a least favorite episode. There were some things that I didn't like that I'll sort of point to now. And the first is really just an annoyance that I have with all kind of TV shows. But I feel like there was a... There's consistently things that happen that just don't happen in real life. Exhibit A. Why are people walking in alleys alone at night? And why is it always foggy? Like there's no fog anywhere else, but this empty alley that you're walking in by yourself with your headphones in, it's, there's all kind of fog. Like what? There's, a, there's an instance in season one where Sam gets in to see a psychiatrist at the last minute. This is America. That does not happen. Not in a psychiatrist's office, not anywhere. You're not getting nowhere last minute. Even if you go to the urgent care, you have to wait not a thing that happens I also feel like they just way too easily have all these fake credit cards like I know credit card fraud is not rocket science but I feel like it's also not that easy last thing I'll say two actually two more things I'll say one I don't remember which episode this was I think it was like four or five but they did a whole exorcism in the back of a plane and nobody heard anything Every time I watch that episode, I'm like, nobody heard this whole fight, this whole exorcism that was going down. This demon was speaking this weird, scary voice and nobody heard it. Okay, cool. And the last thing I'll say that really just grinds my gears, Sam and Dean get thrown all over everywhere and nobody is ever concussed. Nobody ever has, like, what is happening? Again, I think later on in the series, we figure out why that is. We figure out why... Dean eats all this crap food and doesn't have like a heart attack. We figure out why, but in this moment, where we are in the story right now, why is no one ever concussed? They always get thrown up against the wall, whatever. On a more serious note, again, I sort of referenced what I appreciated about episode 13, Route 666, and the way that they really explicitly confronted issues of inequity. I'm here for it. I also wish that there was more diversity, specifically representation of people of color in the show without it sort of being central to the story. So can we just have people of color present because they're just present? And so in that episode, in episode 13, it was absolutely central to the story. So we have people of color. I think we also meet uh, Loretta Devine's character who Loretta Devine is a goddess she is amazing i love everything that she's in and i want to be best friends with her but we meet her character missouri mosley the psychic character and again she is a woman of color she is represented as sort of a character that is that is critical to the story and i will say that she was there were a lot of mannerisms for her that were very stereotypical um for black women and in the way that black women are portrayed that i Again, I loved because I love Loretta Devine and 
I wonder if that character looked different, if her, she would be given the same dialogue, she would have the same, you know what I'm saying? And so again, nothing, I, I do feel like they do better as the story goes on or as the series goes on with regards to representation and diversity. Um, so again, I think it gets better. I also think it can't be ignored um, that in this first season, when we do see characters of color, it's because again, either they're in like Missouri Mosley, sort of in this very stereotypical role, or they're central to the story. And then there's kind of like nowhere else. We don't just kind of see people just walking around or, you know, what have you. So there's that. So overall, um, my overall notes from season one of Supernatural in this first rewatch, um, again, I cannot underscore this enough. All of the urban legends, the inclusion of these classic horror elements, chef's kiss. Absolutely amazing. And again, I think part of the reason that I fell in love with the series initially, it was so, it was comforting because I'm like, oh, it's like the scary stuff that I like. Yes. Um, So A++. I will also say that from the very beginning, Sam and Dean's ways of interacting, their chemistry, obviously they're fine, you know, just so nice to look at. Aside from that, in addition to that, the way that they work together, like you felt anybody who has a sibling understands what that's like, right? Like they're chemistry, their on-screen chemistry as brothers, the way that they interacted, the way that they got on each other's nerves, but then would, you know, fight to the death to protect the other one. Like there's something so familiar about that. There's something that's so, that they just play so well. And I think again, that, that is part of why I fell in love with the series. Again, I love looking at them. I also love watching them act and watching them, again, their their on-screen chemistry. So amazing. And sort of the last thing that I'll say again that I feel like as a psychologist and someone who just always is listening with my therapist ears, I think the entirety of this series really, but it's definitely, um, we see it uh, explicitly on display in season one they all, and when I say all, I mean John, Sam, and Dean are all distracting themselves from the pain that they don't want to feel about the loss of Mary, about basically the way their life circumstance. Like I think that they're all sort of distracting themselves from that in their own way. And so Sam goes to college. He's like, I'm not even thinking about y'all. Like, whatever. Uh, Bye. Whereas we see John and Dean are, they're hunters and they're always like on to the next thing. Like we hunted this monster onto the next one, onto the next one. There's no time to really stop and allow themselves to feel. And the reason that I can appreciate that is, excuse my language, because that is some real shit. Distracting yourself from unwanted emotions, that's what coping is. I think that there are just ways that people deem that are healthy distractions and then there are those that are unhealthy and I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to tell somebody how you should cope, how you shouldn't cope. I think the entirety of how we see Sam, Dean, and John situated in this first season is a distraction from 
pain that has built up over time, a distraction from pain that is happening in the moment. And what I think is so interesting about that is in talking with folks throughout the fandom, Supernatural has become a comfort, a distraction for a lot of people, a lot of fans. Again, it is still one of the top 15 most streamed shows in the United States, and it's not on anymore. You know what I'm saying? People just go back over and over and over through the series because there is something that is comforting about that. There is something that serves as a tool of distraction for us, and that distraction doesn't always have to be from something terrible. It can just be maybe I just want to be distracted for now, whatever. It doesn't always have to be from something terrible. But I, I will say I think that that is so interesting and so beautiful because we see that played out on screen this first season. And for a lot of folks engaging with this show, there's this parallel process that is happening as well. Like I know for me, I look forward to my time re-watching Supernatural because of how it makes me feel. That doesn't mean that other things in my life don't make me feel that way. That means that in this moment, this is a special, unique, intentional experience that I'm having, that I'm seeking out because I want to distract myself from whatever else. And again, that's not bad. Distraction is not bad. It's not good, bad, or otherwise. It is what it is. And so that, again, is something that I can appreciate about the series generally, but especially about how... We see it in season one. So if you are someone who finds Supernatural to be comforting, if you are someone who finds it to be a distraction from other shit shenanigans in your life, hit me up. I want to hear your story. I'm on all forms of social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Dr. Vanessa Hintz. I'm not on the TikTok yet because I don't understand it and I need somebody to help me figure it out. So if you're that type of person that can help me figure it out, hit me up too because I want to be down with the kids and be on the TikTok, okay? In all seriousness, thank you all so much for spending this time with me today. I wish you and your families safety, joy, and health. And until next time, beautiful people, carry on. Carry on.